Have your Bibles, would you open them to Deuteronomy? We'll be looking at chapter 32, um, from verse 28 through to verse 43. Alright, I'm going to start reading from verse 28. Deuteronomy 32, from verse 28. For they are a nation void of counsel, and there is no understanding in them. If they were wise, they would understand this. They would discern their latter end. How could one have chased a thousand, and two have put ten thousand to flight, unless their rock had sold them, and the Lord had given them up? For their rock is not as our rock. Our enemies are by themselves. For their vine comes from the vine of Sodom and from the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are grapes of poison, their clusters are bitter. Their wine is the poison of serpents and the cruel venom of asps. Is not this laid up in store with me, sealed up in my treasuries? Vengeance is mine and recompense for the time when their foot shall slip, for the day of their calamity is at hand and their doom comes swiftly. For the Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants when he sees that their power is gone and there is none remaining, bond or free. Then he will say, Where are their gods? The rock in which they took refuge, who ate the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offering. Let them rise up and help you. Let them be your protection. See now that I, even I, am he, and there is no God beside me. I kill and make alive, I wound and I heal, and there is none that can deliver out of my hand. For I lift up my hand to heaven and swear, as I live forever, if I sharpen my flashing sword and my hand takes hold on judgment, I will take vengeance on my adversaries and will repay those who hate me. I will make my arrows drunk with blood, and my sword shall devour flesh with the blood of the slain and the captives from the long-haired heads of my enemy. Rejoice with him, O heavens. Bow down to him, all gods, for he avenges the blood of his children and takes vengeance on his adversaries. He repays those who hate him and cleanses his people's land. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your marvelous word. We ask that you'd open our eyes and our hearts as we consider your holy scriptures. As we hear from your servant Moses, as we hear from you, would you open our ears. Lord, remove from us the distractions that occupy our minds and have your way in us this morning. Our Lord, would you bring people to the saving uh, faith in Christ. Would you cleanse people this morning? Lord, too, would you draw us closer to you? Help us to become more like Christ. Lord, as we consider some hard words this morning, remind us that you are God and we are not God. Win us over again to yourself. We thank you for the great pleasure of knowing you. Would you make that our great and dear treasure? 
to know you. And Lord, we ask that you be glorified as we consider your holy words. Make your name famous in our hearts, in our community, in our country. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, we're at the part in Deuteronomy. We're really drawing near the end. Um, and the portion that we just read was a part of a song that Moses recites for all of Israel. They're all gathered together, and he recites the song. And the portion that we read this morning, um, there are some strong uh, words. There's some strong language here. And I want to sort of summarize uh, this portion of Scripture in three points. One is God's enemies. Uh, two will be God's judgment. And three will be God's mercy. And when it comes to uh, the enemies of God, the enemies of God are sinners by nature. So who are the enemies of God? They, they are sinners. They are the ones who hate Him. As we see there in verse 40 and 43, the haters of God. They are sinners by nature. If you look down there at um, verse 32, it says, For their vine comes from the vine of Sodom, and from the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are grapes of poison, their clusters are bitter. Their wine is the poison of serpents, and the cruel venom of asps. Why are their grapes poison? Why are their grapes venomous? Well, because their branches, their roots, are found in soil that is sinful. But by nature, they are sinful. If the roots are sinful, if the tree is sinful, if the tree is uh, corrupt, then the fruit will be corrupt. That's how you define bad fruit. Bad fruit comes from bad trees. Good fruit comes from good trees. Uh, the fruit is bad because the tree is bad. It's not the other way around. Uh, the, does everyone understand that point? The, the fruit is bad because the tree is bad. The tree is not bad because the fruit is bad. The fruit is bad because the tree is bad. Uh, those trees and those roots produce like fruit. And so we see there that God's enemies are these ones who are sinners. And not just sinners, but sinners by nature. By nature, they will sin against God. So too, they, um, they are storing up for themselves judgment. If you look down there at verse 34, Is this not laid up in store with me, sealed up in my treasuries? These sinners are heaping up in God's treasuries judgment upon themselves. Not a single sin goes unnoticed. Not a single sin forgotten. Every single evil deed done by these people, their enemies of God, are stored up, laid up in treasuries. And if you're anything like I was, my friends, you are attempting to fill up this treasury to the brim. And perhaps that's you this morning. Would you ask yourself, are you an enemy of God? Are you someone who is only storing up judgment for yourself? That at the end, God will judge you. And he won't judge you according to anything abstract or um, anything arbitrary. He will only judge you according to what you have done. The Bible tells us over and over again. What have you stored up for yourself? Are you an enemy of God? As well, we find that the enemies of God are by themselves 
would you glance down at verse 31? For their rock is not our rock, our enemies are by themselves. On that day, when all those things that a sinner has heaped up for themselves, all the judgment that they have uh, gathered and accumulated through their lives, on that day they will stand alone before God. No one will stand with them. Friend, is that what your future holds? Will you stand alone before God? As He brings to you your heaped up and accumulated sin, the judgment that you deserve, will you stand alone? Are you an enemy of God? And it's those enemies who hate God. Would you think about the first commandment with me? Do you remember that first commandment? We find there in Exodus, and we also saw here in Deuteronomy 5. That first commandment is to love the Lord your God. In fact, every other commandment is a display of that first commandment. It's an extension of that commandment. To love the Lord your God. What is the greatest trespass that we could commit? Oh, is it not to trespass the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God? We see here that God's enemies, not only do they not love Him, but they are active in their hate towards Him. The sinner who is by nature a sinner, who is heaping up for themselves judgment, hates God. Do you hate God? Does it frustrate you that God is holy? Does it annoy you that God has given us His word? Does it annoy you that He is the authority? Does it disturb you that He is the judge? It's these very people who God will judge, which brings us to our second point, God's judgment. It says there in verse 43, if you look at uh, the last two lines, He repays those who hate Him. He repays all those things that were stored up, that the sinner gathers and heaps upon themselves. He repays the sinner with uh, judgment. His judgment is just. He will only give what people deserve. God cannot be unjust. In fact, here's the definition of what just is. Think of it this way. God does not do what is just. Whatever God does is just. That is how justice is defined by what God does. God does, God does not have any standards outside of himself. We have standards outside of ourselves that we must live up to, and God's given us those standards. But God has no such standards outside of Himself. He is His own standard. We cannot hold God to an account and say, hey, you must hold, hold this standard. No, God will do what God does, and whatever God does is just. God defines what is right. God only does what is right. And so He gives what people deserve. He repays Accordingly, God has never been too severe in repaying someone for their disobedience and sin. And I think that's a very important point for us to consider this morning. We live in a climate where authority is being squashed, uh, where people do not like structure, uh, where people, the theological term is uh, antinomian. They don't like uh, authorities. They don't like laws or structures. And we're to a point now where there are whispers and those whispers are, coming, are becoming uh, shouts that God 
is not someone who punishes people. How far be it from us to ever utter those words. Would we dare say that God is not just? God is just. And He will repay those who hate Him. And He will do so fairly, and He will not do it too severely. It is not too severe that someone um, perishes in hell for eternity. That is not God being too severe. That is only God doing what is right and what is just. And here's a question for you, my friends. Um, does it make you uncomfortable? Well, maybe even a better way of putting it. Are you annoyed that God is righteous? Are you annoyed that God is a judge who judges fairly? Do you think to yourself, perhaps that was too severe? And if you do, God forgive you. What you are doing and thinking that is you are elevating yourself above God. You are saying to God, I am more compassionate than you. And I have a better grasp on what is fair than you do. So far be it from us to ever think that God is ever too severe, that his judgments um, are too strong, that the language that we find here in these, these passages are too graphic and too hard. But friends, God only judges justly. His judgment is just, not only that, but his judgment is unstoppable. Would you look down at verse 39? See now that I, even I am he, and there is no God beside me. I kill and make alive, I wound and I heal, and there is none that can deliver out of my hand. This judgment for sinners is only a matter of time. Their foot will slip as we see earlier. The day of their calamity is at hand. There is nothing that will stop the judgment of God. God will judge. And there will be nothing that can get in the way of his judgment. He even says there, where, where are your gods? Will they come and protect you? No, there is nothing that can protect us or hide us or conceal us from the judgment that will come. The judgment is coming, friends. And that judgment is unstoppable. So if you took stock of your life right now, what would fear like? What would fear look like if, if God was to judge you? If he was to judge you today and he was to judge you fairly, be honest with yourself. What would the verdict be? That verdict is unstoppable. There is nothing that will stop God from judging, or from judging people. And he will pay in full. Every single sin heaped up will be paid. Every single uh, bit of iniquity, every thought, every word, every deed will be repaid. He says there in verse 23, that we didn't read it this morning, but it says there that he will spend his arrows. Every single arrow will be spent. Every single bit of judgment will be spent on the one who is to be judged. God will judge fairly, which means he will judge and pay you in full. You will be repaid in full. And now that should terrify us. It should terrify anyone that... God's enemies will be judged. And who are God's enemies? Those who sin. Those who hate Him. Could it be said that you live the perfect life? Could it be said that you are without sin? 
Could you say to yourself, I am on par with Jesus Christ? Oh, not a single person who ever lived could ever say that. Not even Moses who penned these words. No one can say that. And so, what is the solution then for this judgment? What is... Where do we look if we are all enemies of God? We are all to be judged. Where do we look? Look down at verse 43 with me. It says, Rejoice with him, O heavens. Bow down to him, all gods. For he avenges the blood of his children and takes vengeance on his adversaries. He repays those who hate him. Now up until this point, this is all we've discussed that summarizes what we've said. But now look at that very last line. And cleanses his people's land. Now, I want to point your attention to that word cleanses. If you have the ESV version, that's what you'll see in front of you. If you have um, perhaps the NIV or another translation, that word will be covers. But whatever version you have, it may have a little symbol on the top of it, perhaps a number, that will point you to the footnotes right at the bottom. And if you have the ESV version, my footnotes here, they say, or atones for. The reason that they put that there, or atones for, is because that word cleanses is the Hebrew word kippur. And if you're familiar with that great day of atonement, the day that the high priest would go in with a sacrificial lamb into the temple, that day for the Hebrews was called Yom Kippur, the day of atonement. What is atonement? It is the cleansing of sin. It is God forgiving those who have trespassed them. God loving his enemies and putting that love on display by taking a sacrifice and putting the sins of the people onto that sacrifice. Now when the Hebrew would have this song, how beautiful is it that the very last line of this song, they're reminded of the graciousness of God. That there they see he repays those who hate him. Oh, but how wonderful it would be to read the next line. And cleanses his people's land. And when it says, atones for this people, he's not talking about cleansing their land as in they need to go out and, and, and help pollution and stop uh, throwing rubbish on the ground and start cleaning stones and things like that. No, this is not something to be looked at as something environmental. This is to do with the guilt and shame of sinners. When he says there, cleanses, He's talking about that which is the most dirty, that which is the most filthy. What is the filthiest thing on earth? Oh no, friends, it's not dirt. It's not mud. It is sin. And how wonderful that God addresses that. He cleanses sin. And so the Hebrew would have looked at this and how marvelous it would be. And we have the great benefit of looking back and um, seeing the New Testament, where all of these words are fulfilled to the fullest. How is it that a person is forgiven when God is so just and we are so sinful? We find our answer at the cross, friends. And if we talked about this verse, 2 Corinthians 5.21, at every single service that we ever have at West Church, it wouldn't be too often. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he, this is God, gave him who was without sin, Jesus Christ, to become sin on our behalf 
so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Oh, if you memorize that, friend, it would not be a waste of time. If you uttered that to yourself every morning, it would be worthwhile. What does that mean? Here, here are two things that um, that means. God deals with those first two points that we talked about. We, his enemies, sinners, and him being perfectly just in his judgment. How are those two things dealt with at the cross? Well, it's there at the cross that the sin of sinners is taken away and the judgment and wrath of God is absorbed. Not only does he take away our sins, Jesus Christ on the cross, but he absorbs the wrath of God. That means that God is not, never unjust. All those sins that were stored up, the ones that you stored up, in that storehouse, in that treasury of God, they were all poured out on the head of Jesus Christ on the cross. They were not discarded. They were not thrown away somewhere. They were not forgotten about. They were all spent on Jesus Christ. Every arrow meant for you pierced Jesus Christ. He took away our sins. He absorbed the wrath of God on our behalf. Are you an enemy of God, friend? Or are you his child? That's the question this morning. If you are his child, it means you are one who has put your faith in Jesus Christ, the one who bore our sins on the cross, the one who absorbed the wrath of God, the judgment meant for us. Are you his child or are you his enemy? Have you come to Christ? And if you have not come to Christ, why have you not come to Christ? Have you not got enough reason to come to Christ? Is it perhaps that that first point you do not yet understand that we his enemies or who were his enemies are sinners? Is it that you do not understand the sinfulness of your sin? Oh friends, what a display of sinfulness. So sinful that you cannot understand that you are sinful. All the more reason to come to Christ this morning. Is it perhaps at that second point you do not understand that God is just? Do you think perhaps that he will grade on the curve? That the person sitting next to you may be worse than you, so you might be better off on the day of judgment? Oh, would you be so crooked to think that God would grade on the curve? That he would judge you according to the person sitting next to you? No, he will judge you according to his standards. If you are not perfect as Jesus Christ is perfect, you should have no comfort in hiding from the judgment of God. No one will be delivered from his hands. Or perhaps, friend, it's that you do not understand that third point, that God is a God of mercy. Perhaps you understand that you are a sinner and that you have desperate need of rescue because there is a great judge who will judge you according to all the things that you have done. Perhaps you understand that. But perhaps you don't believe that God truly loves you. Perhaps you don't really believe that God is as good as He says He is. That He might not save you. Our oh, friends, He is a good God. He is a forgiving God. He loved us so much that He sent His own Son to die on the cross. Romans 5 says it well, that while we were still sinners, He sent His Son to die for us. While we were yet His enemies, He reconciled us to God. 
So there is good news for you, friends, if you are yet an enemy. But find no comfort in remaining there. You must come to Christ. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for your glorious word. That in your word, uh, it makes us wise unto salvation. That there we can see that there is great judgment because you are just. It is necessary, Lord, that you must judge because you are holy and just. And because uh, we are sinners. But we thank you so deeply, Lord, that you sent your Son to die in the place of sinners. Not only to take away their sin, but to absorb the judgment and wrath meant for them. Thank you so much, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you that you are the rock. That you are infinitely and eternally merciful. So help us to come to you. Help us to come to that rock. Lead us to the cross where we can find our Savior. Our Lord, help us to also remember those around us that because judgment is only a matter of time, give us compassion for those who are still your enemies and help us to take your word to them. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, let's stand and sing.